Well, we didn't really mention it or commemorate it this year, but we've just passed a tiny little milestone here at Kansas Christian Church uh, just a little over a month ago, about a month ago. It had been nine years since uh, the fire that took our old building. And many of you who watch this online, you're not from around here and maybe you don't know much about our story. Uh, maybe you're not familiar, but early, early in the morning of July 22nd, 2019, we were awakened to the sound of fire whistles in our beloved church building that had stood here in Kansas for 102 years, uh, it was on fire, and sadly, it was a total loss. It took almost two years before we were able to rebuild here, and we're very proud of what we've been able to build, more proud of what we've been able to do with it. Uh, we saw what we were building was not just going to be a place for our church to meet and to worship and do the things that we wanted to do, we saw that we were really building a place for our community, to, our community to come together and our community to, to care for one another. And this year has made that very challenging. Uh, there were dinners that were scheduled to happen in this building. I love those dinners. There were weddings that were scheduled to happen and parties scheduled to happen here. And some of those have been postponed. Others had been moved to other places. Uh, some of them have just been canceled because of COVID-19 and, and because of our desire to continue to seek the safety of our community. It's been difficult to all of us. When we built this place, we never dreamed that there would be an Easter that we didn't spend it together in here. When we think about those who have been a vital part of this church, many of them for many decades. We never thought that we wouldn't be able to hold their funerals here. We've, we've had to make some adjustments there. We never thought that the parties scheduled and the celebrations that were scheduled here would have to be moved. But, but you know, through all of the challenges and all the changes that we've had to go through, we've not lost our desire to care for our community, to provide for each other, and, and to be generous and we're still doing our best to do that with, with the best of our abilities. You know, all the way through Luke's gospel, we find an emphasis on generosity and sharing and caring for others. Way back in the beginning of Luke's gospel, when Mary is first told that she's going to have a baby, she responds in a song, and it's there in Luke chapter 1, verses 52 and 53, that she sings of God, and she sings, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. We've done that here at Kansas Christian Church also. The lesson that Luke seems to want us to learn over and over again through his gospel, through the stories that he tells us about Jesus and, and what it means to be the church is that it's not about us. It's about those we care for. It's about those that God has entrusted us with, that we, he's entrusted us with their care and, and how we meet their needs. Back in that sermon on the level place in Luke chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus speaks his beatitudes and he says, blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied. And we realize that we need to be ready to feed the hungry. We need to be ready to care for those who have less. That kind of generosity permeates Luke's gospel. 
And so when we read of an encounter in chapter 12, uh, Jesus is preaching and suddenly a man interrupts him. Trust me, that's, that's very jarring for a preacher. A man interrupts him and this man is not concerned about what Jesus is saying. This man is concerned about himself and he wants more, 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 and he wants it all for himself. <laughs> I hear Jesus' response to this man and, and as I read it in my ears and I, I hear Jesus speaking through clenched teeth because this guy just doesn't get it. And so I read Jesus' words as a warning for ourselves to examine ourselves, to examine what it is that we treasure, why we treasure those things, and, and how we share our treasure. The story begins in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It's there that we read, someone in the crowd said to him, while he was preaching, <laughs> someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. <laughs> but he said to him, man, who made me a judge and arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? And so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You hear those final words of Jesus. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We, we need to hear that as we examine ourselves, and, and we need to ask, do we treasure the things that God treasures? I want you to notice, again, the incident that inspires this parable. The, uh, the man comes to Jesus in verse 13, and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, the way inheritance worked back then is that the eldest brother, the oldest in the family, that brother received a double portion of the inheritance, and everyone else received just one portion of the inheritance. Now, very often, the, the person would feel like maybe they were treated or cheated, like maybe that older brother had kept something back or maybe didn't tell them or didn't account for things quite right. And very often, rabbis like Jesus or lawyers, teachers of the law, like we saw last week, they would be called to judge these cases and tell them what to do. And so the man asks Jesus, tell my brother to give me what's coming to me. And Jesus responds in verse 14 by saying, man, who made me an a judge or arbitrator over you? Let me put it in plain English. <laughs> Jesus says to the man, I don't care. <laughs> this is not my problem. Your dispute over money is not important to me. That's not why I'm here. The things that you're worked up about, this treasure of yours, is unimportant to me. That's what Jesus is saying. 
The things that I treasure are so far beyond money and finance and inheritance. They are matters of eternity. They make a difference, not in your pocketbook. They make a difference in the kingdom of heaven. And so he tells a parable about a rich farmer. (laughs) Some of my farmer friends are probably laughing a little bit at that right now. But he he tells the story of a man who's had a very good year. You know, we we always recognize that the harvest is a gift from God, don't we, my farmer friends? We we recognize that it is God who gives us that harvest. This guy's had an amazing year, and he's wondering, what am I going to do because I don't have enough room to store all of my crops? That sounds like a great problem, doesn't it? And really, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a good year. Obviously, it is a blessing. But what's this man decide to do? How does he decide to handle it? He's going to build bigger barns. He's going to build bigger grain bins. He's going to store it. He's going to, he's going to hoard it for himself. This, this, and only this, is his treasure. There's a big hint to this guy's problem in the words that we read in the parable and the way Jesus tells it. Listen listen carefully again, verses 17 through 19. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have eat, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. <laughs> Did you hear it? I, I, I. I over and over again. Who's this man concerned about? He's concerned about himself. Is he going to share his crops? Is he going to be generous? No, no, this is all about himself. So where is his treasure? It begs us to ask, do we treasure the things that God treasures? That's where we have to begin. Because once we identify what it is that we truly treasure, then we have to ask, Do the plans we have for our treasure, do the plans we have for our treasure match God's plans? There is something we we have to notice about this man in the parable, something something we ought to pay attention to. This man had a plan. He, He actually had a plan. Well, what's his plan? Well, his plan is to take it easy. But at the heart of his plan is, I, 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 this was a plan to be selfish. Now, now please don't hear me saying that God doesn't want us to be comfortable. Please don't hear me saying that God doesn't want us to relax. But occasionally, we need to stop and ask ourselves, who's first in my life? And, And how do I show who is first in my life? Is it seen in the things that I hold most dear? Is it seen in the plans that you make? We have to stop and ask, do our plans match God's plans? Is he truly first in my life? Just a, just a few chapters back, chapter 9, Jesus told us what it was going to cost us to follow him. He, he told us what our plan looks like. He said in chapter 9, verse, verse 23, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's... That's the plan. And then he reminds us that that this plan is not contingent upon a better offer coming along. It's not contingent upon a better plan or a better year. He says in verse 25 of chapter 9, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits or loses himself? You hear that? 
forfeits or loses himself. We're, we're used to hearing that. I think we hear it in our heads as loses his soul, as, as one translation says. But hear the weight of that. Forfeits or loses himself. Covetousness, greed, will not just cost you financially. It will cost you who you are. You will lose yourself. And so Jesus responds to this man's question, this man's plea to come arbitrate between me and my brother. He responds in verse 15, and it says, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. I want you to notice something very subtle here in verse 15. Who is Jesus talking to? He's not talking to the man who's just rudely interrupted his sermon. No, he's talking to the people who were listening. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the crowd around them. He says there in verse 15, Luke tells us he said to them, not to him. He's telling them, watch this guy. Watch this guy and watch his attitude. This is a danger to you. Let him be a warning to you about covetousness. Let him be a warning to you about greed. And I think that warning, I think the key word in that warning is the word all. It's all covetousness. It's all greed. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that in ourselves. How do we feel about the things that God has given us? Are they mine or am I a steward? of what God has given me? Am I generous? Do I take the things that God has given me and store them away for my own purposes? Do I seek to maybe even grab something that belongs to someone else? The man in the parable, the farmer, he's worked hard. He's worked hard enough. He's had a good year. It's it's time for him to relax. And so he's going to coast. But what he doesn't seem to understand is that to coast is to stagnate. When you put yourself and your comfort above everything else, you are telling God this, this is my treasure. This and only this is my treasure. It doesn't belong to you, God. And I am going to relax. I am going to eat and drink and be merry. You know, the problem with that is that those plans did not match God's plans. We can't just do what we want and put ourselves first. We have to get in line with God's plan for us, with God's plan for His church. And we have to understand that when you belong to Jesus, what you have belongs to Him. How does God respond to this guy's plan? He's going to build bigger barns. He's going to build bigger grain bins. He's going to store all of his stuff, and he's going to take it easy. And how does God respond? God says, fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? (laughs) Now surely God knows better than to call people names. God calls this man a a fool. Why does he call him a fool? You know, we have certain connotations when we think of the word fool and being foolish, but in the Old Testament, it was a very different word. In fact, in the Old Testament, back in in Psalms, excuse me, Psalms 14, verse 1, it's there that we read, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, don't read that as an atheist. Don't read that as someone who has denied the existence of God, but read that as someone who is living as though there is no God to be accountable to. There's no God who has given them anything. There's no God who has been generous or blessed them. There is no God to be devoted to or accountable to. There is no God to judge them. 
There is no one to whom they will answer. And so I, as I do as I please, and I make my own plans. And God's response is, you fool. Jesus' final comment needs to hit us harder than it hit this man. We need to hear it for ourselves. He says in verse 21, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What does that mean, being rich toward God? What can that mean? Does that mean that every now and then God needs a loan from us? Every now and then we got to help him out because he's a little strapped for cash. We got to do something nice for him. No, God doesn't need a loan from you. But there are people around us who need us to be generous to them, need us to care for them. The problem with this man in the parable is he planned to be selfish. But I remind you again, at least he had a plan. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to be generous? Do you have a plan to share? Because when you belong to Jesus, what you have belongs to him. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully because let me just speak for this church, for Kansas Christian Church, and let me just tell you, this is a generous church. This is a church that gives. I have seen it, and I can tell you that there are stories told around the world of the generosity that comes from this church. When a need comes up, if someone presents us with a need, boom, I've seen people immediately give in response, and I absolutely love it. But I think we all need to be aware that there's a difference between being spontaneous with our generosity and planning to be generous. Spontaneous generosity is wonderful, but what would happen if we, in ourselves, for ourselves, if we became generous on purpose? What would happen if we planned generosity? I think of some friends of mine who've done that very well. Think of my dear friend who recently passed away. I think of Ed Nichols. Ed always kept a few extra dollars in an envelope, and he called that envelope God's money. And he would, he would gather some money up in that envelope, and every now and then, on more than one occasion, I would be handed an envelope from Ed, and I would be told, go take care of this problem. Go take care of this person. Go, go buy clothes for this young child that doesn't have any new clothes. Or go take care of this family and this need that they had. I, I loved seeing Ed do that. You know, my wife and I were able to get out of debt finally a few years ago, paid off the last of our bills, and suddenly we not only had this peace, but we found the joy of being able to have conversations about how we were going to be generous. And we, we often have these little conversations where some need will come up in the community or some need that we'll be aware of. And she'll say, can, can we give towards this? Or I'll say, can we give towards that? And as we respond to each other, the, the response is usually absolutely. Now, now, I have to tell you, does that mean we have everything that we need? No, we don't have everything we need or everything that we want. Does that mean that we're never strapped? No, no, there's times when, when things are a little tight. But it tells me that little by little, the things that we have don't own us. And we've been blessed to see our hearts, our own hearts and our own attitudes more and more devoted to Jesus. Generosity is too wonderful a thing to simply be allowed to happen randomly. We, we need to make room for it in our lives. We need to plan for generosity. I know a lot of us are very worried 
about what's ahead for us, what's ahead for our nation, what's ahead for our world in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis. We're worried about sickness. You know, we've been worried about our friends getting sick and ourselves getting sick. We've been very worried about the cost of health care. We were worried about the cost of health care before we ever knew what COVID-19 was. We worry about our economy and, and what this crisis is doing to our economy. We worry about businesses that are shutting down, some businesses that we love very much, and some families that are hurting. Look at the very next verse. And as Jesus continues on, and we'll look at this more next week, but look at the very next verse. As Jesus addresses his disciples, as he addresses us, and in verse 22, it says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. I understand our anxiety. I understand our anxiousness. I, I understand our worries. We, we all do. But you know, our faith calls us to ask ourselves, are we prepared to be generous? Have we planned for generosity? Have we planned to share? And I hope our faith tells us that God would not have brought you and me to this moment, this current crisis, if he was not ready to use us through it, and if he was not ready to bless us through it. A little later on in this chapter, Jesus says some words that I think are very familiar to many of us. He says in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have we taken what Jesus says about our treasure seriously? Have we realized that to follow him means to use what he has given us accordingly, to share with those in need, to care for others, and to be there and, and provide for those around us who are hurting? That's what it means to be rich toward God. And we're reminded every week as we come together for communion, that when God saw our need, He didn't give us just a little. He, he didn't just, just give us the bare minimum to get by. No, His grace overflowed in each one of us. He gave His very best. He shared with us out of His abundance through His Son, Jesus. We remember the, uh, the body broken. We remember the blood shed. Not only what He did for us, but how He taught us to do for others. How He taught us to give how he taught to give all that we have to, to him and to trust him to use us. Let's take a moment as we prepare to take together and let's pray. Father, we thank you that when you saw our poverty of spirit, when you saw our weakness, and when you saw all that we lacked, Lord, you gave out of your abundance. Lord, help us, help us to respond to your generosity towards us with spirits that are generous towards those around us. Lord, as we see needs, as we see those who are, who are hurting, as we see those who, um, who are struggling right now, Lord, you've blessed us, each one of us, with, with so much. And the beauty of being a church is you've blessed us to come together and to share together. And so, Lord, we seek your blessing as we try to be a blessing, as we seek to share with others. Thank you, Lord, for the, the body that was broken, for the blood that was shed to show us how much we mean to you. And let us make sure we show that to the people around us through the way we love them and care for them, through the way we make Jesus known to them. It's in his name we pray.
Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us this week. Go in peace.